everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Ployer. I'm the founder and CEO of SPED Homeschool, as well as the regular um, host of this broadcast, Empowering Homeschool Conversations. I am so excited today to kick off a new topic. Um, each month, we focus on a different topic on our show, as well as for our blogs. And guess what? We're talking about preschool this month. We know a lot of you have been asking us questions. How do I homeschool preschool for a child with learning challenges? And um, I think today's topic is really going to um, hone in not only on the preschool aspect, but maybe some things that we've missed along the way um, if your child has been in the educational system and they have some learning gaps. Um, my guests are going to speak to that and to, to help us kind of learn about why some of those challenges may be happening. And it may just be because of the order that our children have been taught in. Um, I see a lot of people popping on um, and <laughs> I'm excited to have you with us. Um, if you are on with us live, and we love that, that's why we do this broadcast live, is because we want to make your comments and questions part of our discussion. And so, so please do, if you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, um, put your comments down in the feed and we'd be happy to, um, to answer them or just say hi, like Karasu the Dreamer. Welcome to the broadcast, Karasu. You're you're one of our, our regulars, and we love having you in our, in our audience because you have some great questions. Um, so, so anyways, yes, engage with us. That's why we're here. We know that sometimes it's hard when you have a child with various disabilities, learning needs that you can't always get training um, and be able to talk to people who, um, who are experts um, as easily. So we make that available to you every week here on the show. So, um, so I'm delighted to introduce you to Lori McKenzie Harris. Um, so why don't you ladies tell us why you have the same last name <laughs> and, and maybe a little bit of background, um, homeschooling as well as your professional background. Um, and, and these ladies both come from, um, one of our partner organizations called Iconics, and we'll be sharing some more of that information towards the end of the broadcast so that you can tap into their resources too. So who would like to go first? I'll go first, I guess. Um, <laughs> the mom privilege because she is my daughter. Uh, very proud mom here. The um, In terms of me, I have been in the special needs community for about 10 years now. Uh, five of it uh, running a special needs school for children with autism, ADHD, ODD, learning disabilities. Um, Mackenzie is my PBS or was my PBL specialist there, which is how I've kind of dragged her along. Um, before that, in 2005, we decided that we were going to sell our house, buy an RV, and just travel for a little while. So we had to learn how to homeschool pretty quickly. We did not know how to homeschool. So we just went to the school that we were at currently, because um, it was a great school. And we said, what do we need to do? And they said, here's all this stuff. But there was no internet for us back then. There were no homeschool resources. So we literally just took the books that they gave us and went from beginning to end. Um, we also, as we were traveling around the United States, took them to all of these places. So if we read about it in a book, they went on a field trip there. And then they had to immerse themselves in the culture and the food, um, which is fun for some kids when you do it all day long every day. They're just kind of like, can we go home and play? Uh, and so we did that for a very long time. 
we did have a struggling learner. My son um, stuttered from mm. line he could remember. Um, he couldn't run. He tripped over his own two feet. He couldn't catch the ball. It hit him in the face. Um, but we knew he was smart, and we hear this a lot. You know, we knew he was smart. And we, we say, well, how do you know he was smart? Well, he was smart because in kindergarten, he took second place in the sixth grade spelling bee. He left kindergarten reading wow. on third grade level. Um, you know, in first grade, he was spelling collegiate words. And, wow. you know, so we knew he was smart. But if you gave him 100 math facts, he'd get six done in 20 minutes. And then you'd redirect him and he'd be done with 100 in like 90 seconds or 60 seconds. So we knew he had it in him, but we didn't know how to get it out of him. We didn't know what to okay. look for. We didn't know what to do. We asked all kinds of questions. Well, then um, while we were traveling, he had what we thought might have been a seizure. Uh, they found out he had um, spots on his brain. And so we went a year and a half of all this esoteric testing. And at the end of the day, they said, yeah, we don't know what's wrong with him. Bring him back when he's got something. When we can Aww. see something. And so we ended up, luckily for us, we ended up finding um, this iconics and this developmental visual learning program. Um, and then we were able to figure out, you know, what do we do? How do we do it? And, you know, great success story. He graduated from, he doesn't stutter anymore. He graduated from high school with 62 transferable credit hours to Georgia Tech. He's a mechanical engineer. He plays all kinds of instruments and he speaks five languages. So you know, for those of you out there who think, oh my gosh, this is too much, or I've got this struggling learner and I don't know what to do, there is help out there and the resources are plentiful. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Mackenzie? I, I know now that you're Lori's daughter. And I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, well, I guess I'll start from the homeschooling part. Yes, I was part of the homeschooling curriculum that my parents created. Um, like she said, they followed the book. They had it done like a business plan. They literally had post-it notes. So this is when things need to be done by what. <laughs> and my parents were kind enough to offer us that as soon as you're done with your work, you can go do whatever. You just have mm -hmm. to work first and then you can go play. So I got through English class in 15 minutes, science, maybe 25, math, four hours later. And um, <laughs> I'm not kidding <laughs> at all. Um <laughs> So it ended up being a normal day for us, but um, very thankful for the experience that my parents gave me, although the um, not knowing how to do it did make it difficult. And as she said, my brother was a struggling learner, mm. but so he was the one that they had their eye on. And so there yeah. were certain things that they missed with me. Mm -hmm. And um, thankfully, I was able to reintroduce myself back into the Iconics world later on. And being an adult, I was able to make some pretty quick strides because a lot of it is understanding why and why you do and what you do and just making a conscious effort. So I feel pretty, pretty blessed in that way. And my brother really has come a long way. And I wouldn't trade my experience of homeschooling for the world. Um, mm. Being able to see all those places, even though we were at Plymouth Plantation for like two weeks, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it felt like two weeks. <laughs> it felt like two weeks. No, it was incredible. Um, really appreciate being able to experience the real world, which is something that I really mm. appreciate and respect about homeschool. Is it's not about what you put on your paper and what you hand your child and they hand back to you. It's about mm. the experience. It's 
learning to cook. It's learning to go outside and garden. It's learning to play with others. It's learning to create. It's learning to be bored because that's mm, what eventually yes. breaks. So um, personally, that's that's me um, as a child. And now I work for Iconics and I couldn't be happier. This is my dream. Mm. Um, quite truthfully, I love working with kids. I did not used to love working with kids. That actually changed my mind in that entirely because understanding where they come from, understanding what they were doing, mm. it was no longer um, such a challenging subject. I could have any kid in front of me and be like, all right, cool. I can connect with this kid. This is great. Yeah. Didn't matter their ability, didn't matter their age. Um, I love kids. I love them. I love them. <laughs> um, and uh, awesome. working on making curriculum and creating games because that's the best way to learn is by playing games. And yes. Yeah. Just super thankful to be here and I'm excited. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing some of your homeschool journey to from as a student perspective. We don't have that very often on our show. And I think parents often, you know, as me, did I ruin my kids? Um, <laughs> are they going to repeat this or are they going to say, don't do that thing? Um, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, that's that's wonderful. And and that you you are so so right and you know and what you said about what what we can do with those freedoms that we have yeah. um when we're homeschooling and taking advantage of those instead of just saying well it's time to pull the books out instead Absolutely. of it's time to cook something or do that and um and what great learning experiences those are versus just learning tasks um and and again that that comes into that that whole gamification too that you're specializing in now um you know everything in life can be a game. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. And so, more enjoyable yeah. when it is. Exactly. Yeah. So, so today our topic is the hierarchy of learning. If you haven't heard about that, and it was something that I didn't learn until years after I started homeschooling. Um, and so um, I would love these ladies to talk a little bit about um, what the hierarchy of learning is and um, why it's crucial for parents to know about this hierarchy. Okay. So every human being literally has their brain developed the same way and you go through the same steps. And so whenever we're talking to parents who have struggling learners, the first thing we're asking is about in utero, you know, was the baby in the birth position or was he breached because we know right then that if the baby isn't hasn't been in birth position there's already been a bit of a delay and then we look at infantile movement reflexes or primitive reflexes so balance because um, if you can imagine if a kid has to it's like breathing like we just balance and it's not a big deal but if the kid doesn't have that in them and they are sitting at the table they don't really know that they're sitting there trying to balance, but their brain knows that they're there to balance. And then we're sticking stuff in front of them saying, hey, do this, hey, do this. But their whole, all of their brain capacity is like, whoa, wait a minute, I can't, I can't attend to that because mm. I'm attending to my balance. And then there are these other primitive reflexes like the spinal gallant, um, asymmetric tonic neck reflex, the moro. And all of these things really matter, and they should be integrated really by two to four months as an infant. And we're finding now, and you can look all over the internet and you can see this stuff, but we're finding now that kids who don't have these reflexes already integrated are ending up having difficulty 
as they grow up. For example, the spinal joint, um, if, if they're not integrated, you're going to find fidgeting kids, um, kids who bed wet, um, poor attention or focus, sensory integration, problems, dysfunctions, um, and even auditory processing disorder, which is interesting because my son had auditory processing disorder and I was told it never went away. But after this program, we had him retested. I had no idea until maybe a year ago that this actually happened. But we had him retested and they came out and they said, are you sure he had auditory processing? Because he's not showing any signs and it doesn't go away. And we're like, hmm, that's interesting because he did have it and now he doesn't. And we even went into the school, the classes and made him sit in a certain place to make sure he heard him out of the ear that was right. And so the spinal gallant really is a very important reflex. Um, and then you have the moro, and that's really interesting and super important for parents who have kids with anxiety mm. because this is a startle reflex and when the baby is first born. And if this isn't integrated, then your fight or flight nervous system is constantly activated. And so these kids, there's a difference between fear and anxiety. Mm. And you know, if you're going to get um, your amygdala fire every once in a while, you know, out of fear because something's happening to you. Right. Okay. That's fear. If right. you have anxiety, it's because you're constantly being bombarded. And so we can see these, like we see kids with anxiety and we look to make sure that their moral reflex is integrated. And if they yeah. aren't, we start playing games, it gets integrated and their anxiety starts to go away and their emotions mm -hmm. Away, and so it's a, there's, there's a lot to be said, and we really only look at three the three big ones, and the other one is the asymmetric tonic neck reflex, and that one uh, has a lot to do with dyslexia, um, not being able, you know, difficulty bringing their eyes together, tracking, uh, poor balance, right and left, they're not real good with that, and so again, when we are asking the parents because out of the mouth of moms comes diagnostic gold for us. Yes. We know the kids like dyslexic. We're like, oh, okay, let's play some games and get these integrated. And so we get those done, and then we go to using a touch, then auditory verbal, and then finally to visual. Hmm. And so we are constantly tracking these hierarchies to make sure that what we're demanding of the kid actually meets their developmental um, area where they are. So we need, we need to make sure that that really happens. And so there's a lot, the hierarchies really, really um, are very important, especially if you're teaching little, well, for any time, but especially for early uh, education kids. Yeah, because what you said, you know, that top of the hierarchy is the visual, and that's where we start school. You know, we yes. start it with the the textbooks and the workbooks and the videos and all those things. And if they don't have all of those things built up to there, they're we're gonna they're gonna start failing the second we start. So, do you have anything to add to what um, your mom was talking about, Mackenzie? Yes. Um, so, part of what what you just said about them not attending visually, that's exactly what it is. And so it's not that they can't be introduced to topics early on. It's just if they do, they're going to be working much harder than their peers for the rest of their lives. 
I'm a really good example of this. I'm functioning. I can do a lot of things. I can multitask to a degree. But mm-hmm. when it comes to how I process things, I wasn't visually ready when my mom and dad tried to teach me to read and how to write, which is a really big thing because as a parent, you want the best for your child. You mm-hmm. want to introduce them to that extra step. You want them to be reading. You want them to be playing Mozart by five. Like you want these <laughs> things for your kid because you want them to stand out and you want the world to see them as special as you see them. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, sometimes that makes it harder for the kid, like with me. And um, because my mom and dad, I'm sorry, mom, because my mom and dad <laughs> uh, started me off too early, I ended up developing what we call maladaptations. In other words, different ways of learning that are less efficient and have Mm. kind of bitten me in the butt for the last several years, even all the way back up to when I took my SAT because my mother loved Schoolhouse Rock. And so I know my math facts as an adult, well, not as much anymore. I've learned how to do it visually since, Mm -hmm. but was you know, in order for me to get six times seven, I got to have a stick to make a 42 clickety clicks. Like this is, that's, Mm. that's how it was done. And so um, if you're, if you're not visually ready, you're going to go back to your auditorial, you're going to go back to your tactile and it's just going to keep going back from there. Yeah. Yeah. And so one, one of the things that's really crucial and, and I, I say sorry to my kids all the time, (laughs) although, you know, you do what you know how to do and if you don't know how to do it, you know, there's not really a whole lot. You can't kick yourself too much. Um, But having the information now had, you know, could I go back the 20 plus years um, Mm -hmm. that I would be doing a lot differently. And, and the thing that's really important is the developmental state of maturation equaling the demand. And, and that's Mm. something to watch for all the time. And then the other thing that's crucial is that if you are doing something with your kid and you see regression, um, you really want to you really want to pay attention to that regression and, and know what's going on first. You know, like right. just get started on it. Um, but play a lot of games with your kids. If you're doing early learning, early development, there is nothing better than games. You know, copy, copy me games, red light, green light. Uh, Simon says, you know, all of those games are just hot scotch i mean the kids mm-hmm. the peggy and i will know this mackenzie may not what we do. Yeah. <laughs> you know the games we used to play on the playground when we were out oh, there. yeah we didn't i played these games i was your daughter <laughs> <laughs> but you know those kinds of games hopscotch four square those types of things um, really matter right so you're talking more full body integration type games versus like board games and and things like that because because that's where you get all of that large motor and mm-hmm. um, the, the things that we need to develop those. Executive those functioning, yeah. predictive mm-hmm. capacity. I mean, there's so much there. Temporal understanding, where you fit in space, how you move. Big yeah. parts of development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andrew. Kelly asked a question about what is the curriculum or website the guests run? I missed that. We haven't told you yet. Um, there are Iconics. You can find, if you look up Iconics on the Sped Homeschool website, that's spedhomeschool.com, you'll actually find a link to their website. But we'll have them talk um, about the services and um, share their website at the end of our discussion. So hold on for that. Um, yeah. So, so yes, this hierarchy. Now, you gave me an an image. Do you want to share that now? Is that a good time for us to? Sure. Talk about yeah, we that? probably should have had that up to begin with. 
Okay. are always better. So this this just tells you how both learning issues happen, and then of course um, along there, if you look, you know, we, we learn movement, touch, auditory, visual, but the line under that actually is showing you the vestibular reflexes first, and the gross motor, then the fine motor, and the ocular motor. Um, so that's that's just kind of a, a visual picture of how the hierarchies are actually moving um, in your body and what you need to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes sense, and it's visual. <laughs> it so. is. <laughs> that that is visual. a lot. Um, yeah. Well, let me see what I was going to ask you next. Um, so what about parents who have already been teaching their students and they're like, hmm, okay, I know what they're talking about um, and I know we probably have some things in there, but I haven't been trained. Um, how do I figure out what we're missing? Um, are there any ways parents can, you know, like go through different motions or observe things that are like um, some aha, like, this, if you see this, <laughs> maybe this is what you should be um, looking towards versus, um, I guess, some of the traditional labels, kind of like you were talking about, you know, this, um, Laura, you were talking about what, you know, precursor, let's talk about dyslexia. We call it dyslexia. We say there's no cure for it. But what what could be some of those things that we should be looking for as, as homeschooling parents? Because we see a lot, as you know, um, <laughs> of things that our, our kids struggle with. All right. Um, so it's kind of a big question because what you need to understand in order to be able to direct the next step of the child is where they are. And it's not just where they are in a list of items, it's where they are in several categories. So like Lori was talking about, or my mom was talking about, sorry, <laughs> professionally I call her Lori. Um, but as my mom was talking about with the infantile movement reflexes, that's a really great way to check for some of the things that she was referring to with you know, the bedwetting, the anxiety, the dyslexia, those are some good things for sure. But there's more. There's, you know, your gross motor, your fine motor, your ocular motor. And then, of course, as you go through those, we have kids that may be really, really great in some areas and missing pieces in other areas. And then, of course, there's, you know, learning disabilities that aren't, you know, because the kid isn't smart enough. They are definitely smart enough. They've got the capacity. Um, but it's about going back and figuring out what it was that caused the deflection and then being able to essentially mm -hmm. play a different game. And then trick them into this new habit that's usually visually based. But mm, okay. some things that we would suggest are, um, like Lori was saying, with games. Um, we have a lot of games for each category that we play. You know, if we are looking for to integrate the spinal gallant, we roll our kids up in a rug and they love it. Adults don't <laughs> like it. I'm just going to throw that out there. Adults don't like it. I don't suggest that for adults. It's, hard. Um, it's actually hard to do. It's, it's hard and it's it's like it's a lot sensorially. <laughs> but kids love it. You just roll them up and spin them out really quickly. Um, mm. But yeah, the, the biggest thing is when you're, it's just to watch and wonder. And that's what we do. You know, okay. we, we're always trying to determine what the kid is doing in there. That's actually one of the questions we're supposed to ask mm. all the time is like, why are you doing what you're doing? What are you doing in there? And once you know the answer to that question, you can take them anywhere. 
Right. Yeah. That, that is a good question. Cause I think oftentimes we were thinking about what's going on that's wrong instead of what is actually going on. Yeah. Um, and that's a much better question to ask because it just may be that their strategy, like you're talking about, is just not as effective as maybe they could have developed a strategy. Um, like you were talking, Mackenzie, you know, having these wonky strategies that you use. And I know I have a lot of them. Um, <laughs> and, and so, but it does, it slows you down and um, it slows down your processing speed, but doesn't mean that your mind isn't going as fast as everybody else's. It's just your strategies are, are not as arguably effective. faster. Going on, like if you know your math facts visually, like you just know six plus six is twelve, like you're you're good. Mm-hmm. That's very very little effort. But if you're having to go through this sequential auditorial song, mm-hmm. like that's that's a lot. That's a yeah. lot for everybody. And and I had problems in math growing up, literally my entire math career. And my my dad is the one that taught me math, and he is just like me. <laughs> it's just like me, arguably a little bit more embedded but um but he followed that same path because that's what he knew and again mm-hmm. you can't knock it at all because that's what he knew and that's and again you just want right. your children yeah yeah exactly and yeah we do what's best and like Lori, you said we don't kick ourselves too hard um because there's a lot of things we just don't learn and and with my kids you know i'm learning so many things on this show every week and i could say oh goodness, I mess them up every, every week when I get off the kid, but by God's grace, you know what? Um, he just has allowed that to happen. And you know, I, my kids will work it out. Um, or they'll teach their own kids and I'll be correcting my grandkids. I don't know. (laughs) That's one of the things that I really appreciate about this experience. I'm actually working right now with a, I'm going to say a child, although she's almost an adult named Mackenzie also, which is kind of fun. Um, and she is, exactly like I was in high school anxiety ridden struggling with classes brilliant girl like Mm. gets patterns faster than anybody I've ever met brilliant brilliant girl and struggling and um we've been able to connect and play these games and she was she always tells me her big wins and it it affects more than just her schooling like she's like I had a conversation with somebody and I didn't like I I I was able to attend to them the whole time and we were able Mm. to have this lovely conversation and you know, we both left feeling great about it or um, oh, even awesome. anger management. She, she'll talk about how she was able to to handle a situation like a pro and feel really good about it. Hmm. Her anxiety has decreased. And, and it's just, it's nice to be able to take the information that even though I didn't have that as a right. kid, sharing that information, letting other hmm. kids know that there are options for you. There are people who understand you and, and there's, there's just more to it. And I, I love that. Yeah. 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 Well, you have, you have more understanding too. And, and that, that's the gift that your mom has given you by not teaching you right the first time. <laughs> so there's always something. <laughs> always something. I would, I would like to go on record as I was the one who brought Iconics into our school and, and, and then she, could, and then she had to teach it. And so, yeah, I did come around and kind of, you know, maybe put some fixing in there, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so thankful. Yeah. 
And it was, it was what was meant to be. And um, yeah, I was so excited when you, Iconics reached out to me and, and told me what they were doing um, because it makes so much sense. Um, and so I'm, that's why I'm so excited. We're talking about this hierarchy of learning because like Lori, you said, too often we say, well, that's just the way it is. And we accommodate and modify around that's the way it is instead of thinking, oh, could it possibly be something that we can fill in the gap for or give new strategies for to, um, to help with um, these, these struggles? So, so yeah, it's just so awesome. So, um, but I know also this, that a lot of homeschooling parents, it seems really counterintuitive them to go back to teaching more elementary skills because they want to see their student progress, especially in those workbooks <laughs> and yeah. the curriculum. So can you talk to us a little bit about just how essential um, doing this groundwork is and really how it's not going back to go okay, forward? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we sometimes refer to it as building a wall. And so you have to have all the bricks in the right places in order to build the foundation. Mm. Uh, for the people who like to snow ski, I really like a skiing metaphor because what we do is, um, not a metaphor, but um, when you, a long time ago when you wanted to go skiing, you, it took you a while to build the foundations because you didn't get to turn your shoulders like they teach you now. You had to learn to shift your weight on the skis in mm. order to be able to and then, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago, you'd go out to ski for us. You know, you'd go out to ski in Colorado, and you really want to ski. And they want to teach you how to ski very quickly so that you can optimize your time on the mountain. Mm -hmm. And so then mm -hmm. what they would do is they would show you, can't see my feet, but they would show you how to snow plow. And so you could slow yourself down, and mm -hmm. then they take you on these little hills, and they would get you to turn with your shoulders. Well, that's great. They get you to from a green or a bunny hill to a blue, blue, black, fairly quickly you can join your week out there. The problem is you're gonna love skiing so much you wanna go back, but you can't ever get past that plateau. You're mm. just kind of stuck. And so in order to be able to get unstuck, you actually have to go back down to the fundamentals and relearn how to ski. I talk right. about that from personal experience because I didn't have to relearn how to ski after I learned how to ski the wrong way. Wow. And it's the same thing with kids. If they're going up and they're missing pieces of their foundation, then you're going to miss parts that cause problems like dyslexia and anxiety and bedwetting and motion sickness and poor organization or memory skills. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that it's, at some point you're just going to, you're going to hit a ceiling and mm -hmm. then you're going to have some big workaround and our brain is such a powerful tool that it doesn't take very long before it'll go off track and stay off track because all of a sudden it's like oh this works but right this yeah. work for very long. and this side doesn't work for very long is you know when you're going straight up and you're doing the right stuff then that ceiling is going to be a lot higher than mm. it will be foundations and so as scary as it is to think mm. oh my my kid's not going to learn his ABCs right away, or my kid's not going to, you know, learn his math facts right away. 
Mm-hmm. The reality of it is if you're doing these things right and you're playing and they become visually dominant the way that they're supposed to, mm-hmm. they won't have any problem learning how to learn after yeah. that. And they become suddenly successful students. And so parents, the best advice I could give is go back, fill in the gaps, know that it'll work. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know it'll work and just trust us, but know that it's going to and your kid will come out on top and be a very successful student after they get these things taken care of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have to add to that, Mackenzie? Um, myself, actually. So hmm. I, I, I was that kid that had those foundational holes missing and it took me a little bit longer to get there because I had to go through the training and uh, in Iconics, he, you don't learn small picture to big picture. You learn big picture, so you know where to put everything, but there's a lot of things. Mm, right. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of things to get onto. It took a little while, but um, I used to have incredible anxiety. I used mm. to have anger management issues out the wazoo. I mm. had interpersonal relationships with almost everybody I met, and I didn't understand it at all, mostly because I, I was here focused on my little world, and the only mm. way that I could survive and succeed was by keeping everything in my little circle tight. Mm-hmm. I dotted. I couldn't deal with everything else. If you were having a problem, if this very dynamic changing physician was out beside me, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I wouldn't mm. I'm right here. And um, after going back and filling the foundational holes, not even, I mean, for me, it was with iconics, but even if I had gone another way, just filling those foundational holes, my anxiety mm-hmm. is nearly gone. And we've been through a very stressful several years Very mm-hmm. as, a, as a community, as a nation, you know, it's been right. yeah. And so to be able to handle all of these moving parts now, I have the mm-hmm. best relationships I've had in my life. Hmm. I'm going back to college to get some more education, super excited about that. And it's easy. I never thought I'd say that. I was hmm. doing the math pretest, whatever things to see if I could. Um, right to see if I could get through certain classes and not have to take them because I knew a lot about it. Mm-hmm. It was just easy. Like there was no more stress. There was no more singing in my head. Well, there's a little bit, there was only some <laughs> singing in my head. Um, but the, you know, taking those steps back allowed me to leap forward in ways that I don't think I would have probably ever discovered on my own. Right. Yeah. And one of the things when she was, when Mackenzie was talking about, being here and not, I don't know if that, you know, everybody's going to be able to see it or just hear it, but, but being here as opposed to being here, you know, we do have our visual system has both central and periphery and we need both right. of it and, yep. and we need them all the time. But the bigger thing is we need to be able to toggle back and forth. So mm. driving, you know, you need to be out here doing time and space and movement through it and you need to be here being able to read the road signs and seeing what's up close to you. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's like that with everything, including learning. You know, you need to be able to toggle back and forth. Um, Right. Until you are, you know, especially these kids who are collapsed, and we call it a magnocellular collapse. So let's just talk about Hmm. peripheries. Most people don't know what magnocellular is. So when your periphery is collapsed, which happens a lot under with um, stress, Mm. what happens is, do this and so now you end up being serially sequentially examining the world which is very difficult because you can't see right. the bigger 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of mm-hmm. kids are actually doing that. They're becoming collapsed or they are not, mm-hmm. they don't know how to use this part. And so that becomes a real uh, challenge for them. And that's something that we work with a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. You know, you see those kids that just, they, they, we, we call it drawing in. Um, and you know, that was a great visual. They, they just draw in, um, because it, it gets down like Mackenzie was talking about, you get it small enough that you can, you can manage it. Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, trying to focus on everything that you can't manage and that's when you kind of lose it. <laughs> Which is why these and games it, are so important. Cause like, just as an example, one of the games that we play is a double kushball catch. Do you know what a kushball is? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, I didn't before I started, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a double kushball catch. And so you and your, your kid, your player, your partner, um, have these two kush balls in your hand and you throw them back and forth into each other's baskets. Your little hands mm. are going to be a little mm-hmm. bit lower than what I'm showing, but computer. Yeah. Um, and you stare at each other in the eyes. And so the only thing that you're focusing on is your peripheral uh, field, which mm-hmm. forces you out. It's also great for right. vertigo, by the way, I found that out firsthand several times. No, <laughs> um, it's true. And, uh, and so you play this game and there's enough, you know, you can always load it up to make it hard enough to have a doctor fail. It's great. Mm. Uh, we know, <laughs> but, um, but those, those silly little games really make a difference because if you're all closed in, you need to find a way to come back out. And this game right. is a no stake way fun. I can get, I can get adults to play this. This is actually mm. how I my friends. I'm very weird, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. We play lots of games like that to pull you out because we don't want you drawing in. We want you to see the big picture. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great example of just how simple of a game mm-hmm. can make such a huge difference. And, and yeah, it's, it's that, that, that focus that sometimes, you know, we, we, kids aren't paying attention. Well, they're, they're kind of trying to pay attention. It's they just are. that what they're paying attention to is all they can pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're so focusing on your words instead of mm-hmm. what you're trying to create the imagery of what it you're trying to say. Is and exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Or if they're reading, they're trying to, you know, concentrate on their own words and they can't keep creating those pictures in their mind. So oh, true. reading comprehension isn't there. I mean, there's so many applications to just that one thing. Um, and, and yet here's, you know, as you're talking about a simple game that will train the brain um, to, to make that leap. So that is, that's just amazing. And I hope after this question now that a lot of you parents um, will understand just how crucial these types of um, steps within the hierarchy can be um, worked on and what a difference they can make. Do you have any stories to share with us um, of um, how knowing and using this hierarchy has helped the clients that you work with? Every story that we have, because we really do respect the hierarchies. I have a shirt that says it too, like respect the hierarchies. It's a, it's a, it's an iconic thing, but, um, every kid, I mean, I've worked with children who are learning disabled. I've worked with children who have autism. I've worked with children, um, that are just, uh, what is it called? That have ODD. Mm-hmm. I have, I've worked with children that had something no one knew what it was. Uh, and every single time we're respecting those hierarchies because 
when you get it in the right window, when you make it just hard enough for them to be engaged, but also invested right. and just easy enough that it's something that they can continue. When you have it in that perfect area, we call it white water. Um, that's where engagement happens. And that, that was my biggest success as a teacher is my kids were always engaged. Mm. Always, always, always. That is not an exaggeration. I had teachers come up to me all the time saying, oh, well, you just have the easy class. Well, another teacher got them next year. So <laughs> they, they, they became less easy. Um, but just um, being able to understand that gives us the capacity and the ability to help them in the most efficient way possible. And time is your mm. most precious resource and your kid is your most precious resource. So you need right. Um, but we've had children who were nonverbal start talking because mm. we respected the hierarchies. We have children who would talk like they were very, very good at speaking with people, very adult, came in CEO mm. style. If I don't know if um, the dad's listening, but he'd know which kid I'm talking about. He comes in, he tells you everything about everything. He knows the mm. date that SpongeBob aired. He knows where Southern Bell Farm is, who owns it, where they started, founded, who runs it after he dies, like the whole nine. Wow. If I asked him what he did that summer when, when before he started um, in my class, he couldn't tell me. He mm. would literally just sit there and start spewing facts. And um, after a year of an entire curriculum based off playing this game for a half a day, the rest of the day, they went to another teacher. Mm-hmm. But um, we came back in for an assessment and this child came up to me and uh, I was like, what did you do this summer? How was your summer? And he goes, oh, I had a great summer. Uh, I bet you had a nice summer. You probably worked the whole time. I think you worked the whole time. You'd like to work. Uh. I was like, yeah, I do. You <laughs> do. And he takes a step back from me and he holds out his hands and he starts describing this picture of everything mm. that he did. He's like, well, I got to ride go-karts. There's another student in my class who I guess didn't get to. So he, he let that one know. He's like, so-and-so wasn't able to ride go-karts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was like, but like, I got to ride the go-karts. I got to do this. And we had this big performance on the stage. And he's like holding up his hands and showing with his oh, hands. Uh-huh. And he sees the picture for the first time. Like you can have a conversation with this kid for the first time. So I cried like a baby. Mm. He had no idea what was going on. I was like, I'm fine. It's fine. But I, <laughs> I was like, you won't believe how far your kid has come. And they're like, of course we do. We are with him every day. We, we see what's happened. We know what happened. Right. Yeah. And, um, and there are stories like that, like all over um, mm. the kids that we've been able to help, which is just incredible. I mean, just to be able to give the kids that quality of life yeah. in a way that is safe mm-hmm. and understood and able to be replicated. I, I, I can't imagine a better way to spend my life. Yeah. That, that is life-changing. How amazing. And it's life-changing for the parents too. You know, when we send home a kid after we've worked with them, especially, you know, we work with a lot of autistic children. And so, you know, in the autism community, you hear a lot of times people saying, well, if they've hit eight and they can't talk, they're pretty much going to be nonverbal their whole life, which, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call booyah on that one because we <laughs> have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old that we worked with. And it took us about a year, um, hmm. but we were a little bit more put together when we started working with them. The other one was, um, a hot mess you know he he really had some big issues beyond just nonverbal. and his mm. parent I mean his mom 
Michelle's probably listening and she knows who she is and, and she doesn't mind if we're saying it because she, she knows But he's, he started talking this summer and, mm. you know, learning how to give hugs. He, he didn't have the body awareness to even hug his mom. Um, wow. It was 12 years before the other kid started talking and his mom actually heard the words, I love you in a mm. meaningful way, not say, I love you. And right. so it's not programmed. You know, mm-hmm. respecting, respecting the hierarchies changes everything. When you're doing the right thing for your kid, when you're, environment your your environmental demand when your developmental demand is actually equal to what they're being asked to do or their their maturation not their demand but their developmental maturation is equal to the demand you're going to get somewhere and and you're a lot better off and these kids will be successful and by the way this doesn't help just early learning things it helps kids in school it helps college students it helps community Mm-hmm. Adult, adults. My dad was my client for a while. Oh gosh, improvement <laughs> too. We saw some really, really big strides. It was really cool because, like I said, he's he's a more embedded version of me. Mm. So knowing what I know about myself, I was able to have this wonderful experience helping my dad get where um, he is now, and it's that's that's nice. That's rewarding. Yeah, yeah. I love what and, I do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's making a generational change, you know, and I think, you know, like you were talking about earlier, Mackenzie and and Lori, too, is, you know, we we teach what we know, and we don't know any better. And so we, we want to do our best for our children. And, and there's so many new parents now that are, you know, coming into homeschooling, they don't know anything about it. They have these young children, they've been told by early childhood education, all of these things, um, you know, and this, this is the therapies you need to go to and all of that. And it doesn't mean these things are bad, but it doesn't mean that that is the end all be all either. Um, And, and so I love that you guys are introducing this as, you know, our kickoff for the first week in in preschool, because um, parents are, it, it's your, we're catching them (laughs) before they get too embedded in the curriculum and the therapies and all those other things. And it's an easier shift to make when you have a younger child, um, because we aren't so, we don't have to retrain ourselves (laughs) and our own thinking, but, but you do give us hope as well for, um, for any parent, like you say, to respect these hierarchies and, um, and to be able to, to fill in those things with some pretty simple and effective, um, methods. So one of the things that, um, Peggy, we didn't go over it and I forgot about it, but the, um, DVL tracker, you know, Mm -hmm. McKenzie is actually our, our game developer and she does a great job with this. And so she created this and this might be something that can be that you'd like to just kind of walk through with the parents to say, this is kind of what we're looking for. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a little small, but I'll, I'll, I think I know it well enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. So what you have here is um, a DVL tracker. What we did was we tried to, because a lot of people really emphasize benchmarks. They want to see the progress being made completely yes. understandable. Mm-hmm. And since um, Iconics is such a malleable, customizable uh, program, sometimes it can be hard to make benchmarks. So I went ahead and made some. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, following these hierarchies, it, it follows it exactly. Your brain develops inside out, bottom to top, back to front, and it shows mm-hmm. there. So you can, and you can go look that up if you'd like. Um, 
But right here in the red, this is um, going to be our infantile movement reflexes. So we have our spinal gallant. ATN is asymmetric tonic neck reflex. It actually should be ATNR. Um, Moro reflex here. And then orange is going to be um, your balance. And so it's standing erect, like some standing mm. for a period of time without having to, you know, wiggle around or do whatever. Right. Yep. Uh, standing on one foot. Uh, this is a balance beam. Uh, crawling mm. for gross motor, walking and running for gross motor, hopping mm. and skipping, something we call snow angels, which is um, exactly what it sounds like, like you're mm -hmm. making in the snow. Um, and then this right here is a freeze version of the game. If the kids get to this point, we just stop and we play a game so they know. That, I mean, oh. they're all really games, truthfully, but uh -huh. I just really emphasize that this one's a game. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, jumping jacks. And what I mean by that is not moving one arm and one leg at a time or speaking out loud, okay, arms, then legs, but actually mm. just doing it all as one unit. Integrated, yeah. Yes. And then green, dark green is fine motor. Um, and then you get into the light green, and you can see the hand-eye looking mm. when you're talking, same and different, so kind of that beginning mm -hmm. dominance there. And then um, movement game, Simon says. So these are all copy me. Okay, one game that I hope mm. everyone takes home, copy me. Don't say what you're doing. Don't be like, oh, it's your right arm. No, just stand next to your kid because that's mm. the lateral so that they can see. And you want them to copy you and your motions. And you can say, okay, wait till I say go. And you can do one motion and say go. And not only are you working on the kid's body awareness, the executive functioning, you're also working on um, their impulsivity, which ah. is great for mm -hmm. kids because then they have to think before they act like before right. like, hey, I know I want to go I know I want to raise my right hand but I have to wait until you say go so copy me gold hmm. if there's one game to take away that's the one I'd pick um and so that's all going to be copy me in the dark blue um but starting with just certain motions and then this is a whole section of copy me which is hmm. a little bit different um but uh up here we have bone words because those matter. That's your um, beside in front of. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is your temporal understanding in the dark purple. Um, and then in the light purple is a uh, the shell game, which is uh, another wonderful game we play. Also a great one. Hmm. It might actually go above the other one. No, the other one's first for preschool. Um, but it's acknowledging and. Um, working with visual dominance. So you have okay. three items behind a screen and you have to have the kid remember it based mm -hmm. off the look of it. Although I have a lot of deflected learners who will sit there and if I have a water bottle and a stapler and a pencil behind there, they'll go water bottle, pencil, stapler, water bottle. So I'll have them sing with me. Mm. They're trapped in that visual corner. Mm. Um, that's another great one. And that goes all the way up to words, including um, like if you wanted to have the kid spell the word brother backwards or inside out or outside in um, because hmm. then it, it shows you that the kid is picturing the word in their head because, um, and my mom knows this better than most, I think, but my brother was as good as he was at spelling because my mom was very good at F-R-O-G. <laughs> she was very good at helping him understand F-R-O-G auditorially, not seeing hmm. the word. So yeah, that's true. Yep. And, uh, and so being able to play the shell game, even with spelling words, um, I had a student that I worked with, very, very short um, tangent here. Hmm. I, they, were, they were not doing well in spelling at all. They were struggling greatly. So I had them start spelling words backwards and set out bottom to top, back to front. It didn't matter. Hmm. And uh, the kid came back with hundreds every time for the rest of the school year. 
because it forced him into that visual corner. He needed to Um, And then you get into receptive language, um, another temporal hierarchy, but this time meaning present, past, and future tense. Uh, Reading to daily, picture sequence, first and last name by look, exploring text, and then visually dominant. Hmm. And so... That's the whole. That's the whole tracker, and there's more to it than that. I mean, this is a very simplified version, mm-hmm. but it's a good. It's a good building block, if that makes sense. It's a good. Right. Tool. Yeah. It, it shows general. I mean, just listening to it, um, it it goes overall. You know, just from the basics to, you know, those more complex things. And I don't think oftentimes we have we see this progression. Um, anymore, you know, we just say, oh, this child reaches a certain age, so they have to be ready to do all these things um, versus, well, have we checked all the boxes (laughs) and are they ready? I mean, I interviewed, I remember when I first started the show years ago, I interviewed a woman who was trained to be uh, an early childhood teacher. And she said, we were told that we could not teach children how to read till they could do the monkey bars on. um, And that's how they taught. This was back in the fifties when she was trained. And, and she said, it makes so much sense because you cannot transfer information from one side of the brain to the other. If you can't do the monkey, you know, monkey bars require that. that cross. Yes, exactly. And so the teachers would watch for that. They were trained, but now we, we don't do that anymore. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, so you guys had a game too, to share. And I, that was spots. Is that the one you were talking about Mackenzie or is this a different one? Uh, so this is a different game. This one is actually, I, I'm so excited about this game because um, the uh, the protocol I did not create, but the game as it um, was, I did create with the help of some students that I work with. Um, but it's a, it's a game that we've just developed and we're very, very excited about it. It incorporates the visual learning aspect. It incorporates that gross motor movement. It incorporates um, the waiting, the stopping, uh, all of these wonderful necessary tools to help your child thrive. And we even put the age as like three to as old as you want to be, because mm-hmm. again, everything can be um, loaded. But how it works is you have 12 uh, agility spots, the kind you would see in gym class. Mm-hmm. And we have 12 Velcro pictures of some sort, depending on what expansion pack you want or which pack you get. Um, for this one, I believe we're doing picture math and presidents, which is again, a great way to get in the door without having to force your child into learning symbol symbols beforehand. Right. Um, and then there's uh, different cards. And so you have a little timer and you have a deck of cards. That's your rule card. So this is what you have to do while you play. Hmm. And then um, whichever one you're going to. And what's so great about this game I found is the engagement is through the roof. Hmm. I worked with a six-year-old, a nine-year-old and a 15-year-old at the same time, roughly. Um, and all three of them begged me to play and they had an hour and a half session with me. And the mom talked to me first. She was like, just so you know, the little one's been kind of crazy today. So don't expect him to hang out too long. And I was like, no, it's okay. That's, that's fine. You know, whatever he's into an hour and a half went by. I was like, guys, I have to go home. (laughs) I have to go home. Um, but they loved it. And it's, it's so great. Cause again, it's, it's, it's for all ages. So you can stomp on the spot and that is so satisfying and it's great. Oh, for right. And the executive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it helps with spatial awareness, impulsivity, processing speed. I mean, this is, 
I think the best developmental game, uh, at least on the market, in my opinion, granted I made it, but I'm very, <laughs> very proud as a homeschool kid mm-hmm. that I could produce something like this with my team. And um, mm-hmm. I really, I, I, I hope it helps all the kids as much as it's helped my kids. And I even play by myself sometimes. I have different loads that I do, but it's just, it's so great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Proud mama moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, to get that movement in with, with, and to be able to change it out, like you said, to have different packs so that your student is always being challenged versus, oh, well, we finished that game and, you know, now what do we, we move on to next and to be yes. able to, to change that up. And, and, you know, math facts, presidents, those, those are things that um, we, we all should have working knowledge of, but if you can do it visually, like you were talking about, um, it, it'll stick. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy how much information, um, the kid can retain. Like, again, the six-year-old highly, highly just all mm-hmm. over the place, touch everything. Mm-hmm. Just to give you an idea of what this child was doing in order to play the game, you learn gestural language. Um, some of it is sign language, some of it is not. Um, but you have to know the gestural language. You have to know the spatial location. You have to know the name of it. You have to know what the picture looks like. And uh, you have to know the sign for the picture and you have to know the sign for the word. And so it's mm. just, that's a lot of pieces of information times right. 12 spots. And mm-hmm. then there are rules where they sometimes have to switch and become opposites. And then you have to be aware of that much more information right. and you're loving it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. Awesome. I mean, it just goes to prove kids want to learn. They do. Um, it's just, we make learning really awful sometimes. (laughs) So, but yeah, well, that, that's awesome. Well, we only have a few minutes left and I would really like you guys to talk a little bit bit about Iconics as well. I'm going to throw up, put up, um, your, (laughs) your website. Um, it's iconicslearningcenter.com. And so what can, um, people find there? So if you go to the website, uh, there is a lot of information about what's going on, the hierarchies, how things work. Um, It is written by a doctor. uh, And so sometimes the information is a little overwhelming, but that's okay. You can read it once or twice and and get through it. There are are pictures on it that um, should be able to help you get through it. And there's also some auditory for us, auditory learners. There are some Mm -hmm. on there as well. Um, and Iconics basically is all about teaching the world to learn a different way. We want them to learn the way they're supposed to, visually. And so we do, uh, we are in the process of building homeschool pods and church pods and homeschool support. And then for people who want to get together and build a school that isn't a public school, but all visually based, um, there's some information on there as well. Uh, you can... I think reach the clinics in the different areas there are clinics on there. Certainly chat with some people. Um, there's a chat button. Um, and then there's probably a, I think there's a contact information, like an email thing as well. Um, and so it just gives you information about that. Um, and then anybody who wants to can also contact me by phone. Um, that might be scary that I'm about ready to get out to my, my phone number, but I can at least get you to the right people. So if there are questions that you have, we have a whole team that we can get you in touch with so that we can get you make sure that you're talking to the right people. Um, right. So you know, my phone yeah. number is readily available. I can give it to you if you want that. 
Um, sure. Brave yeah. you. There I go. Brave. Put it out there. <laughs> 231-360-3469. Great. You can also text me, but if you text me, please like tell me what your name is so I don't know who's this. I'm more than welcome to or more than happy to help you get in touch with the right people so that you can understand or if you have questions. Great. Yeah. And that chat button on the website works well. And um, also, um, not just private schools. I know I've been talking to Levi with your organization, too, and they said that they've helped a lot of homeschool pods start up with parents who homeschool in the same region and using some of these materials so that they can share the cost, too. Um, so, and I thought so, I said that, but if I didn't, I'm sorry. It's oh, not no, just, no, that's yeah, okay. It's not just, like, we do a lot of homeschool yeah. Time you saves yeah. the day. Yeah, that's Yay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just so excited about that. Um, and have been talking to Levi about finding a way to maybe package that um, for homeschoolers in a, uh, a very um, easy to implement way and to connect with other parents um, over that. That would definitely fill in some some areas I know that we've seen a lot of demand for um, in our community. So I um, want to help in any way to make that possible because I know the work that you guys are doing is um, is really making a difference. And I appreciate that. Um, and all so that much. you guys uh, have to share. It's, it's very exciting. I was just glad that your team came out and joined us um, for a day also at our family camp. And we had so many families interacting with them. They had kind of a smaller version of those spots with lights. And boy, those kids were having a blast. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that they got to get out there too. They 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 came back and it was wonderful. And Julie and Levi are amazing. So is Carolyn and you know, yeah. just, such high uh, energy. She's texting me right now saying what a great job we're doing. Like I love her. <laughs> She's great. So Julie's speaking of Julie, <laughs> next month. Julie is coming back is coming on with Mackenzie, who's coming back um, to talk with us. I don't know if she's told you that. <laughs> okay. So this Great. is a surprise to you too. Um, next month our topic is gonna be um, so, uh, the topic for that week is gonna be simple integration of technology into your homeschool. And so we're gonna be talking about technology all next month. And so she thought you would be a great person to um, to add into that conversation with herself. So um, so we'll be talking next month on yeah, that. Julie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, Julie. yes. Uh, Mom, quick question. Did you get the form thing? Yes, I can send that to her. So if anybody um, wants to, uh, let us know if they would like to have that game. That game has not gone to prank yet. It's very close. Okay. Um, but we do have a, um, a link that I can send you that they can just say, hey, yes, we're interested in potentially mm -hmm. doing that. It is ready to print. Um, we're just trying to wait till we have 100 orders so we don't have to charge everybody an arm and a leg. Yes, yes, that batch ordering is so important. Absolutely. So yes, if you send me the form, I'll create a link to a Google document or something. Or if you want to do that too, I can share that in the, the feed um, or the description on YouTube. And, and that'll so help much. people to get connected with that. So yeah, just send me that information. I'd be happy to add it. So Beautiful. yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you ladies so much for sharing. This has been a, a wonderful hour. It, the hour has already gone. 
Thanks for inviting us on. We appreciate yes, it. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. For this. We had one comment on Facebook. Sarah said, thank you so much. I homeschool our eight-year-old son who's nonverbal. I'm excited to look into this more. Thank you, Lori McKenzie, for all this information and for providing real-life examples throughout this discussion. It was really helpful. So, well, good, and it, Sarah, we're glad. Yep. <laughs> Call Lori if you have questions. She gave out her phone number. Your daughter sounds like my daughter. <laughs> yeah, because it's not my phone. I will right. give her my phone number one day. Yep. And your daughter must be a lot of fun. Oh, she is. <laughs> she just graduated from high school this year. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Well, awesome. We're going to continue this conversation um, next week and prior weeks um, just about preschool. And my guest next week is... Um, Lilani Mendez. Um, she has a YouTube channel and has been homeschooling preschool with her daughter with Down syndrome for a couple of years now. She homeschools her other, her other older children as well. She's diving into, I think, kindergarten this year, but she has a lot of experience with preschool. And so she's going to share with us um, just the preschooling, special needs, homeschool, um, and the advantages that she has seen with her own her own student. So you'll definitely want to come back and join us next week for that. Um, so thank you, Lori McKenzie, again. Um, appreciate you guys and um, just taking time out of your schedules. I know you're on your lunch break, McKenzie, so I appreciate you doing that and, and joining us um, uh, for this discussion. It definitely means thank a lot you. to us. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us too. We appreciate it. Um, and we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Um, have a great week and um, we'll see you then. God bless everybody. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.